do all those things and so much more Just grab a seat in the chair or the floor Sit back, relax, recline While she drops another casual line You're tuned in to Casually Molly With Molly and Boogie All right, everybody, welcome back to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergy, based here in St. Louis, Missouri. We love to interview different comedians, artists, entertainers, you name it. And specifically, we also love interviewing people who are coming to our city to perform. Uh, You better look out for this guy. He is going to be here Friday, January 13th and Saturday, January 14th. You better hop on it. Go to Helium Comedy uh, St. Louis website because both 8 p.m. shows have sold out. So you got to hit up those tickets for the 1030 show. So please give it up for our guest, Alingon Mitra, everybody. Yes. Hello. Hi. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. I uh, I appreciate you making the time for people listening in. Um, we actually just uh, talked about you just getting off of a plane. So you landed here in St. Louis now. How do you feel? Yeah, <laughs> um, a little drained, but I should be good for the shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. You know, we appreciate the hustle, obviously. Um, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. you're going to be here at the Helium Comedy Club St. Louis Garage located at the Galleria this weekend. Uh, for people who are going to be attending your show, uh, what kind of comedy would people expect? What would you describe your comedy as in your style for the shows for this weekend? Uh, I think it's a mix of kind of cultural stuff, political stuff, uh, observational stuff. So anything I find funny, I generally talk about. Um, it's a clean, at least my act is clean. So I think it's generally family friendly as well, even though it might like touch some lines that are uh, a little edgier. But I feel like by and large, I try and do do it so that it's comfortable for everybody. Absolutely. I was looking at your stuff on like TikTok and Instagram and not just because you're sitting in front of me, you are very funny. You've got some really great material. Um, I love the interactions too. You're very welcome that you have with the audience. They seem to really be into what you're doing, which is great. Um, What made you, I mean, I guess this is a general question for a lot of podcasts, but what made you want to get into comedy? When did you maybe get that comedy bug per se? I was always watching stand-up. Like, I, like when I was little, I would stay up late to watch, like, the people doing stand-up on, like, Leno and Letterman. And then uh, when Comedy Central started showing those half hours, I would watch those. Like, they were showing them all the time. So, like, I gobbled those up. So I was always just consuming stand-up a lot. I didn't know how people get into it, but uh, I always knew that I loved, like, watching it, yeah. Absolutely. And then you decided, which, you know, makes me lead into here. Uh, what I love about you have a lot of great credentials. One of them, you that you were one of the only 100 comedians invited to perform on the remake of NBC's Last Comic Standing. Uh, what was it like to be part of that contest that really held such a hold when, I mean, I remember watching the original and seeing, you know, different comedians and it really highlighted uh, comedy as a whole and as a profession. You know, what was it like being invited to something like that and receiving such a positive uh, feedback? feedback from the public 
it's yeah it was it was it was kind of a ironic i don't know I, when i was growing up i used to watch it as well so it was like this big thing my family would all like watch it and we'd have our favorite comics and then actually being on it, it was a little surreal but i think i was also like so early into comedy i didn't really recognize like how many people watched the show yeah. so I, I treated it pretty casually which i think might have worked out ultimately because I, I wasn't like putting pressure on myself i was just like oh this is very exciting and cool to be able to do it but i didn't realize like how 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 important or how uh, how much it spotlights uh, the comedians, but it was a, it was really a nice experience to have under my belt so early on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and then of course we've had a few people who have been on Conan who have been on this podcast uh, invited to stand up on Conan. What an honor! I, I feel like that's probably like a good checkoff point for a com you know a comedy career. What was it like being on uh, Conan? Yeah, you know, it was very similar. I think actually, kind of like last comic standing, where I I know it's like a big thing for comics to get uh, late night spots, and uh, I was just very early into stand up when I was starting to do late night spots. So I I, I think it was just kind of an out of body experience when I was on the show. I didn't fully grasp or appreciate how much it uh, means to a comedian to be able to do that while I was doing it. In retrospect, I mean, it's very uh, nice to have it under the belt, and also I feel like the material itself was—it's uh, something that I, it has, like, uh, I think um, uh, a big shelf life. So I was fortunate that I can like show those clips, and people continue to like watch that set and be like, "Oh, I really like the jokes in that set." I was like, "Well, it's nice to have something that kind of like lasts a little bit longer than just the just the night of the airing." Absolutely. Now, I, I appreciate, too, that you are able to, you know, you're going to be in an actual, like, comedy club tonight, but you also have great TV experience. For people who maybe aren't as familiar with comedy and the uh, kind of, like, the open mics and things you first start with and then the networking and growing into it, you know, what is maybe the difference of performing in a, a club in front of a live audience versus being on TV on something like a soundstage like Conan in front of a live audience with cameras? Uh, well, with the, with the late night set or any kind of taping, by and large, it's pretty scripted. Like you're going to hit your points, and for a late night spot in particular, you're kind of limited in terms of your time, and you've worked with the booker, the talent booker, to get that uh, set down. So you're not really moving away from it. With a live show, especially if I'm like headlining, I've got a, a bigger stage and I, like a, a bigger time frame to work with and so i can be looser i can like interact with the crowd and also i don't have to follow set points i can kind of work material in weave it in with crowd work whatever is kind of like if somebody says something in the crowd that leads me to a joke that i might have had or something that i was thinking about it can happen and it's already like in the moment so i feel like the energy in the room is important and you get to experience that at a live show the taping itself that i feel like you're playing for the tv audience and that's a different um it's a different way of performing than you would if you're trying to be a little bit more conversational and intimate in us in like a live show 
Absolutely. No, thank you for sharing that. I know people uh, usually ask about that too when they listen to our different episodes or watch them on YouTube. And, you know, speaking of live shows, you were named one of the new faces of comedy at Montreal's Just Laugh, Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, excuse me. Uh, congratulations for that. What an honor. We all, as comedians, love talking about the JFL. Um, now, obviously, I feel like you can perform in front of a wide range. I see that you're traveling a lot. You know, you're here in St. Louis with us in the Midwest. You probably perform in the Northeast as well. Um, traveling into Montreal, what was that scene like being there in Canada and being at an event that is so coveted uh, to the comedy community? <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel a little bit like a broken record and I feel I feel bad that my answers are <laughs> be around okay. a, simi a similar uh, thread here. But all, all of those things that uh, that came, uh, like the Conan, uh, Last Comic Standing, Montreal, happened, I think, pretty, as far as uh, comedy uh, careers go, it happened kind of early on for me. And as a result, I was so blind to what it meant. I was literally, like, I know there's like a lot of comedians who are kind of gunning to do JFL, Montreal, who live in New York City. I was living in Boston. I, I didn't know what a, uh, both like a recognition and the prestige that comes along with being uh, called a new face in, in, in the Montreal Festival. So when I got it, I was excited. However, I, I didn't think it was that big a deal because I had done some like TV stuff at that point and I was like, oh, well, that's probably more important than a live festival. In retrospect, I think like people look at that as a big kind of like nod or stamp of approval of like, oh, your material is unique and strong. I know that now at the time I did it and I was, I, I, I mean, I treated it seriously, but I didn't, I don't think like had, had I gone, had it, if I did it right now, I would have kind of appreciated it more for what it's worth than what I was doing at that. No, I don't think that's a pro. In fact, I actually, what's really great about this, I really have a lot of respect for you for just like at that time, you know, especially when you have talent, sometimes, you know, talented people go into things maybe early on and, you know, you're able to show that talent with people and it was recognized. So I, I really respect you being as humble as you are about it. Um, I feel like that's going to make you likable to an audience, which is great. And, you know, speaking of Boston, you want both the Boston Comedy Festival and the Funniest Comic in New England contest in the same year. I'm sure that was also, was that also early on too as well, or was that further on in your career? Yeah, I think Boston Comedy Festival was one of the first uh, kind of tent poles within, the, within that string. So yeah, that was, I think, I think I did Boston Comedy Festival and then I did some late night and TV stuff and then Montreal and then Last Comic Standing, I think, had recorded but not aired yet, and then it started airing. So I think those were kind of like, and then Conan came after that, and then Colbert came after that. I think that was, if I remember correctly, the history. But yeah, it was, it was early on. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, there you go. I feel like that's great. It gave you like such a great foundation because now you're on the road, right? And you're doing a bunch of shows and I've looked at all your tour dates coming up. Just make sure you check out all of his social media because he's got all these different cities he's going to. Um, being on the road, I always, I love to ask comedians this question. Was there maybe a memorable story or experience you had um, while doing a show traveling? It could be positive and, and be negative that you would like to casually share on the podcast cast being on the road um i mean i think 
one of the coolest experiences that I had was separate from doing my own shows. I got to, when I did last comic standing, Russell Peters was one of the judges and he really liked my material and we kind of stayed in touch afterwards. And he had me open for him uh, when he was performing in Massachusetts right after that. And then again, stayed in touch. And then more recently he had come through New York. Uh, he had me open for him there. He liked what I was doing and then had, he was like, Hey, do you want to, perform for me uh when i go out to dubai so i was like oh yeah because yeah. he's got this international following so then performed in dubai and bahrain and then we performed in the uk so those shows were really interesting and fun and cool to see because i know stand-up comedy is global now and russell peters has been kind of like at the forefront of that from way back when sure. but uh it was really cool to see I think my material connecting with audiences that I wouldn't even have anticipated like people in Bahrain thinking what I'm doing is funny. Right. So it was, that was, I think a really cool thing to see. And I feel like now when I post stuff both on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram and YouTube more so than TikTok, I feel like those that have more of a global audience for me. And it's cool to see people connecting to the material who I, I don't know. I, I was always thinking like, oh, this is just be either for like people in the States or maybe for people who have like a shared cultural background. But I feel like it's extending beyond that. And it's fun to see that happening. Absolutely. What an experience. I was just talking about Dubai last night. And I, I really do feel like there's been so many like interesting coverage about it. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And Russell Peters, that's wonderful. Uh, you know, speaking of other accomplishments too that you've had, you were a writer for the Humor Magazine, the Harvard Lampoon. Uh, and then I loved how Helium's website put down and now he can be found on Twitter, Facebook, or in bed. So that was appreciated for the humor. Um, why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit about, you know, you're a writer, you're writing for a magazine. Does that take the same kind of mindset? Do you use like the, I guess like your stand-up comedy, does that kind of go into your writing style as well for something that would be on paper or online as well? Um, I think for the Harvard Lampoon, they have a very kind of specific style um, that I, when I was in college, I, re I read it and then kind of uh, recognize the style and was kind of maybe imitating that style to get on staff you basically have to like submit a series of pe like pieces and if the staff likes it then you then you're like accepted um when i actually got on staff i was pretty much a delinquent and didn't write for it aside from there was a parody of the national geographic that uh that they did and i wrote for that but um i think in terms of the stand-up it does have some parallels because the types of stuff that you were submitting for pieces there were kind of, they could kind of be like sketches in some regards. And I think when you see my material, occasionally I do like these act outs that probably mirror some of the format of the sketches that you'd find in the magazine. So there's that. Um, but, but yeah, I think just like the, the practice of writing is always something that I feel like has, has been helpful to, to learn. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do you still, and before we let you go here, we'll make sure that we get you out on time. Um, do you feel like your process for creating your material and producing your material, material writing-wise has maybe changed differently? Or have you always kind of stayed to the same routine to keep, you know, maybe consistency? Um, I think I when I was in Massachusetts was maybe writing 
more uh, frequently only because I was going and performing at more open mics. And as a result, like the need to have newer material was a little bit greater. Um, now I think because I'm performing more for like audiences that have paid, uh, I'm not going to be just like giving them brand new something that I don't have any faith in yet. So I think, I think the process has, has changed a little bit in that if I'm touring a lot, I want the material that I'm performing to generally be pretty, pretty, pretty strong. So the stuff that I'm touring with right now, I feel like is for the most part, like, you know, the, on the on the, the upper level of what I'm what I'm doing right now, um, but I think when I was starting off, there would just be a lot more of like, oh, this thing is working. If it's working, let me just put it in. Um, now I feel like I've got a little bit more clear idea of like, oh, does this kind of match the way I want to be speaking? And if it matches what I'm, how I'm speaking, then it's going to sound more natural and more conversational anyway. So I think maybe if anything, there's a shift in terms of like rather than kind of a setup punchline like a set of twist punchline format which was probably what you'd see a little bit earlier earlier on in my act now there's a little bit more maybe coherence or um naturality to what i'm doing absolutely yeah i always i always see that like sometimes different uh styles or voices change with comedians but yet they're still the same that you come back to love and um i really appreciate you sharing all this stuff and the last question i will ask yeah. you is you know what should we expect future wise obviously again come see elena mitra Friday, January 13th, Saturday, January 14th. Again, the 8 p.m. shows have been sold out. So make sure you jump on those 10.30 p.m. tickets at Helium Comedy Club St. Louis in the garage room. But what should we accept, or accept, we'll accept and expect uh, for future projects that you have coming up that we can support you with, even if it's just your social media? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if you're listening in the area and you're able to come to the shows, that'll be that'll be great, especially those 1030 shows. I feel like uh, late night shows have a little bit more um, raw energy in the room, which I think can can go either way. But it, it means it's going to be uh, like an enjoyable experience. So if you're uh, if you're in the area and able to come out, uh, even though it's a little bit of a later show, I think it'll be a fun show um, for both the Friday and the Saturday in terms of things that I uh, um, projects that I'm working on my my YouTube channel at Olingod Mitro Comedy I think it has been growing and the plan is to release something a little bit more long form uh, through that right now it's basically been the shorts uh, that I've been releasing which are like clips from my stand-up sets um, but if I can release something a little bit longer I think that'll be that'll be where my next uh, uh, step will be for YouTube um, and then uh, same deal with Instagram and TikTok. You could follow me at Olingan Mitra. My website has all that. And my name is like tricky to spell. It's A-L-I-N-G-O-N-M-I-T-R-A. But that's why I, I found like the domain TikTokComic.com was available. So if you go to my website, www.TikTokComic.com, that'll just like uh, forward you to my actual website and has all my info there. Absolutely. And don't worry, we'll make if sure people, to share all of these links. <laughs> so we'll be good. Yeah. And if people are unable to come, like I, I know people listen to these things sometimes delayed anyway, if you're unable to come and you're like, oh, I wish I had uh, caught him or for whatever reason, uh, you're listening in, from outside of St. Louis, my website, tiktokcomic.com, there's a landing page that has my email um, and text list. If you sign up for that, next time I'm in your area, I'll let you know. And I generally like send out like any promo codes that the club gives me so that the people who have signed up 
have some reason to sign up and also that way they get like first access to the shows. Awesome. Well, look at that. Well, that was very informative. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to let you go, please. I always say, what are you going to casually do now that this uh, episode is over? But you're going to casually perform tonight again at Helium Comedy Club, St. Louis, located in the Galleria. Again, make sure you get those 1030 tickets. And congratulations. I mean, man, some sold out shows. This is amazing. Good for yeah, you, man. Yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll make sure, if not tonight, I'll definitely swing by tomorrow and see your act in person, but I'm excited. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Try to, you know, get off that jet lag, but you seem very alert and ready to go. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for casually joining us on the podcast. Thank you for casually having me. Absolutely. Lingon Mitra, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>